0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Anxious Mammal podcast. We're going to be talking about anxiety again, but this time, instead of an overview, we're going to focus in on the mind. Um, The next episode is going to be on the body, but today we're going to discuss the mind, how anxiety starts and travels around and influences the mind, how the mind influences anxiety. And after we get the mind figured out, we're going to move on to the body because they are connected, but anxiety does typically start in the mind. So hang around and you will get the first, more in-depth information about anxiety as we move through this breakdown in the mind and body of the overview of anxiety that we discussed in episode one. So glad you're here, let's get started. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're going to get an overall understanding of the discussing three main sections. Um, As I mentioned, this is called the triune system, tri is three, so that makes sense. And we're going to start with the first part of the brain to develop. And this is going to be the back part, the hind brain, which we're going to identify as the amphibian brain. Um, It's called this because every creature has this part of the brain. This is the brain stem is included in this. And this is the section that is developed first in all creatures, including humans. And then the other parts of the brain have developed after based on the needs of our social interactions. So first off, just very quickly to remind you, the beginning of anxiety is basically, and there's all kinds of nuances, but basically the beginning of anxiety is you have external information, things that you can see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. And those influence your internal state. And what happens is the amygdala, which is a little piece of the brain located in the emotional centers, scans the information that's coming in as well as the thoughts that result, and it discusses is this a threat or is this not a threat? In a normal process, the frontal lobe, which is your logic, then comes in and says, Okay, well let's use this logic along with the emotion and our past experiences to determine if this is actually a threat to our life or not. And then you either go into a shift for fight or flight or the information is just calculated, understood, and filed away as needed, and you do not go into the fight or flight response because your brain has determined you are not in any kind of life-threatening situation. So in trauma, the amygdala decides that it is threatening, doesn't really allow the logic to come in and do anything, and it just immediately triggers the trauma response or anxiety response by releasing various hormones and chemicals that then go down the brainstem to the body, trigger the nervous system, and then all the physical things happen. That was discussed in episode one, so if you'd like to get more detailed information on that, please take a listen to episode one. So knowing how anxiety kind of gets triggered and started. The brain, the back part, which is the amphibian part, that's your brainstem, This is the part of your brain that is responsible for the things that you don't really have any control over. So it makes sure that your lungs keep moving. It makes sure that you keep breathing. It makes sure that everything in the body that's needed for you to survive continues to function. There's also something called a freeze response that is essentially activated by this part of the brain. And we will talk about that later. I'm gonna try not to jump around too much. My ADHD kind of takes over at times, so I'll do my best the uh, amphibian brain or reptile brain or hind brain these are all synonymous this is your instincts and your gut feeling sensations these are automatic functions survival mechanisms it controls your heart lungs blood flow things like that this also is involved with your subconscious memory this is where your instincts are kind of developed and maintained and it, it it manages your evolutionary drives so things that were whatever created us, whatever you believe, doesn't matter, but whatever you believe created us, created that part of the brain to have specific things that happen automatically without thought or without influence or without control by us. So what happens is when you go into anxiety mode, if you get too far past the fight or flight, you can actually go into something called freeze mode. And this is the part of the brain that's responsible. This is one of the evolutionary or instinctual mechanisms that was instilled into this. The freeze response is kind of like if you see a coyote and it, ha- it finally catches a rabbit, the rabbit's kind of hanging in its mouth, and then all of a sudden maybe the rabbit, you know, will jump up or come back. So what happens is that part of our brain has the most basic form of survival. It is a last resort, which is basically play dead, play possum, you know, shut down our systems to reserve energy, etc. And the thought is if you are, let's stick with the same analogy. You're that rabbit, coyote mouth, coyote's walking the coyote sets you down for a minute and you can actually then jump back up shake it off and then the rabbit can run away so it gives the animal or the human which we're we're animals right we're mammals another opportunity to survive when fight is not an option and flight is not an option like You're at the cliff and you're about to fall off the cliff. You're falling off the cliff, basically. So your body kind of shuts down, goes into basic survival mechanisms only, and kind of prepares you to have this last-ditch effort to try and survive. So that's the freeze response. That's part of the fight, flight, or freeze. So you are activated into fight or flight. And if you cannot fight and cannot flight, then the reptilian or amphibian part of the brain, the hind brain, will take over and activate the freeze response. That's the main overview of of the hind brain. So now you understand that part of the brain. The middle part of the brain is usually referred to as the mammal brain. Now, the mammal brain also includes the limbic system, which is the emotions. And it also includes the amygdala, which we've discussed previously. That's the fire alarm. That's what I like to have people think of it, because all it does is literally scan information and decide if it's a threat or not. And then if it is a threat, the amygdala is involved in communicating to other parts of the brain, you know, like the hypothalamus, hippocampus and things like that, too release hormones and activate the stress response in the body this part of your brain the mammalian brain also includes your memory now i want to be clear it's not like your brain is sectioned off into three sections you have parts of your brain that operate together in a bunch of different ways so you can have things where your front brain is really the thing that is in control but you also have things activated in the middle and the hind brain that are dealing with logic maybe not really in the hind brain actually but more in the middle so spots of your brain will be working when you look at the brain in the three-part system this is true it's just a little bit more of a simplified version so your emotion is in the middle part of the brain the mammal brain that we're talking about but there's other parts of your brain that might be in the frontal or back lobes that are going to be involved in emotion too the amygdala is in that part of the brain so this is where it will identify is this a threat or not a threat. And then in a normal situation where you're not activated in anxiety or trauma, again, the frontal lobe, the logic part that we're gonna to get to, that'll come in and, and balance out the emotion. But we're talking about having an anxiety response that is not justified, it's a it's a problem, it's, it's something that you don't want. So the amygdala decides this is a threat. What happens is then it will communicate to the hypothalamus, and the hypothalamus will relay signals through neurons, neurotransmitters, and her hormones to different parts of the brain and body that it will incorporate into helping trigger the body to go into fight or flight mode, to go into survival mode. And this is done because the hormones, the chemicals, the neurons, the signals communicate by going down through the hindbrain, through the brainstem, down into the body, to the nervous system. The nervous system is then triggered to shift to one way or the other. And this activates or deactivates various parts of your nervous system. Like the vagus nerve will be deactivated in fight or flight. And the vagus nerve is what keeps your heart rate and lungs calm and your digestion running and your bowels moving and things like that the hippocampus is also in this area which is involved with memory so one thing to note is that when you are dealing with an anxiety or trauma response or experience people will often say that they have poor memory when they have a lot of trauma or they deal with anxiety on a regular basis and In another instance is somebody may be assaulted which is very traumatic and they will go to the police station to report it maybe even immediately same day And they won't be able to answer a lot of the questions, you know, what did they look like? Who were they? Because during these moments, the amygdala and parts of the brain that are trying to go into survival mode will try to not take in some of this information, partly because it's so busy with other things. And also it can be partly to protect you because you can go into like dissociation where you kind of are, you know, your awareness is kind of removed from the situation so that you don't have to experience something that's so traumatic. Also, the hippocampus, which is responsible for taking in information and kind of filing it away in autobiographical order, chronological order in your brain, so that you understand, like, I went to Disneyland when I was four, and then I went to, you know, Chuck E. Cheese when I was seven. But The hypo or excuse me, the hippocampus is involved in the threat response. So the hippocampus is actually incorporated by the amygdala and other parts of the brain to help dump cortisol and adrenaline and different chemicals and hormones. So it's too busy dealing with quote unquote battle stations, can't really focus on dealing with the memories and filing the memories. And this is part of why the trauma and anxiety response can cause, you know, long term trauma or memory issues and things like that the middle part of the brain just to kind of expand a little bit the mammal brain this is your limbic system for emotion it's it's kind of your behavioral center okay so your hind brain the reptile or amphibian brain that was for instinct gut responses survival mechanisms evolutionary drives things that are kind of going to happen without you choosing the mammal brain in the middle is emotion it's behaviors It's your amygdala, your fear center. This is where you develop habits. This is where your memory is. This is where you have impulse and impulse control. This is where you assign value to various things in your life, people, ideas, concepts, food, you know, like, as we all know, Reese's peanut butter cups are much better than every other candy. That's a fact, and that is stored in our mammal brain. And it also uses past experiences from your memory to determine what is the best or most likely the best choice in any given moment and will result in the most rewarding what's going to happen like what will give me the best outcome if i make decisions based off of my experience should i walk down that road on fire or should i walk down that road full of money right you're able to do that because of the mammal brain um, which also incorporates the front part of the brain that we're going to get to as well so hind brain amphibian brain is instinct and gut Mammal brain in the middle is your behavior, your emotions, habits, memory, impulse control. And part of the idea of being a human, which is assigning value to people, places, things, events, situations, food, as we mentioned, right? We move into the front part of the brain. This is your frontal lobe. This is the human brain. This is the last part of the brain to have developed when you look over uh, scientific theory research evolution stuff like that there are other animals that have a frontal lobe but not all animals have this all animals have the amphibian or hindbrain and all animals have some sort of middle brain with a little bit of emotion control things like that but not all animals have the frontal lobe the limbic system monkeys apes gorillas they have one of the largest ones ours is the biggest by far Um, sharks even actually have a frontal lobe so there are animals that have frontal lobes but they're underdeveloped compared to humans And therefore, we call this the human brain, okay? This is the part of the brain that really stands us out from being an animal and gives us this identity of a human, a social creature, because we're animals, mammals, and we're humans, social creatures. And that's a concept that's very important that we're going to discuss in another time, how we have this conflict in life that causes a lot of people to have anxiety because there's this conflict between social human needs and animal-mammal drives but we'll get into that another time. So the frontal lobe, this is your human brain. This is going to be somewhere where you can reflect on information. It's foresight, it's this ability that humans have that really no other creature has to kind of almost predict the future based off of past experiences and present information. So we know, like I said, is that road on fire a better choice or is the road with money a better choice? It seems obvious, but the only reason we truly know that is because we have past information that fire is hot and hurts, present information that that road's on fire, and that road's full of money In past we know and in the present we know money is useful as a human. And so we can then use the frontal lobe for foresight and logic, using that information of past and present to determine in the future, the best choice is likely to walk down this road full of money. That's what the frontal lobe does. It's actually very impressive and no other creature can do this, especially not even close to the level that we can, which is why we're humans. We're the most advanced animal that exists. This also is involved with problem solving, morality, which is a kind of a human thing, right? Sharks, dogs, bears, they don't really have morals. Okay, this is a human experience, morals, values. This is where our primary motor cortex is. This is also involved with memory, and even more so association so strawberry banana grape fruits so that's involved in that process it's also involved in the emotional regulation process as i said not one piece of the brain is going to be responsible for all of it there's going to be communication throughout the brain you have neural pathways that travel from the front to the back the frontal lobe also involves impulse control empathy attention and focus rewards like managing reward systems And it's also highly involved in language and imagination. Now, what's interesting here, and again, this is going to be another discussion in podcast, but if you look at emotion regulation, impulse control, attention, memory, those are all things that are difficult with ADHD. ADHD is something that I have, so I'm very familiar with that. So ADHD is something that really is involved with the frontal lobe of the brain. We're going to go into detail on that in another podcast, don't worry. But I just wanted to mention it's kind of interesting that those things all exist in there and those all associate to ADHD. The um, frontal lobe, the human brain, it has voluntary muscle movement, memory, thinking, decision making, planning, foresight. It also includes the parietal lobes, which are involved with processing sensory information, so much of sensory information, which means. Information that's coming in from touch, haptic feedback. So the frontal lobe really processes this touch sensation to help us understand what it is in the external world and define it internally in our mind to understand it. It also includes our occipital lobes. These are involved with processing visual information coming in. So sight, things coming into the retinas, and the frontal lobe deciphers this information and decides what it means, what we're seeing. Okay, so touch and sight are big with the frontal lobe. With the three-part system, hindbrain or amphibian brain is gonna be your automatic instinctual reactions and responses, instinct. It's also something that includes the freeze response, which is activated when we cannot fight or flight from a situation. It's a protective mechanism, very basic one, play possum, play dead. The mammal brain in the middle is gonna be your behavioral and emotional area and also memory. It has your amygdala, which is responsible for identifying threat And it can activate then emotional and behavioral responses and reactions, including triggering the fight or flight response in the mind and in the body, which we're going to talk about the body in the next podcast. And then you have the frontal lobe, which is the human brain, the last to develop, the most advanced in humans out of all creatures. And this is your reflective problem solving area. It's also your morals, values, logic, okay, empathy with other humans. So those are the basic functions of the three parts of the brain that are important for you to remember. The other part of the brain is the brainstem, and this is the pathway where the hormones and chemicals are able to travel to signal the body to react with different chosen states of mind, whether it's calm, anxious. So those are the main portions of your brain and how they operate. One last thing I want to share is normal function, experiencing situations that are stressful, anxiety-inducing. This is what should happen this is what the brain was designed to do really normally the frontal lobe the human brain and the limbic system the mammal brain in the middle communicate to determine threat versus non threat using emotional response and logic response they identify the appropriate response using this emotion and logic combination and also utilizing past experiences and present information. So that's kind of the process. Past experiences, present information, help to determine what's likely to happen in the future based off of various decisions. Your emotion and your logic have a conversation to identify an appropriate response to that situation. That's what's supposed to happen if everything goes okay. Now, when you experience a situation that causes trauma or anxiety because it falls outside of your window of tolerance, which is what you're able to deal with. And the best way to think of that is you have a glass. And all day, your glass, when you experience stress, that means that water is going in your glass. Well, at some point, if you have too much water getting poured in there, it's going to spill over. When it spills over, that's when you're having anxiety or trauma. That's when you're outside of your window of tolerance. So you can do things throughout the day to pour a little bit of the water out and make more space, you know, self-care routines, which help you maintain, you know, staying in your window of tolerance. And you can also do reactive things. So like when things happen, you know, you can do things to... Lessen how much of the stress or how much of the water in this analogy goes into your cup. Um, And we'll also talk about that in detail at another time, too. Now, when you have that situation where something does occur outside of your window of tolerance, it falls outside of what your brain thinks makes sense, what seems to be rational, what seems to be expected. That's when you have the anxiety or trauma response. This is when the individual is experiencing a lack of communication or a disconnect in the pathway between the frontal lobe, the human brain, and the middle part of the brain, the mammal brain. So logic and emotion kind of become disconnected. Behaviors are being driven by pure emotion and or instinct from the reptile brain. So the logic brain, the human part of the brain, is kind of shut off. And the middle mammal brain and the hind reptilian brain, so instinct and emotion, are kind of making the decisions in that moment. If there's no escape, then the reptilian brain activates and takes over for the instinctual freeze response, which is that last ditch effort to survive. Hopefully that was pretty clear. I tend to sidetrack sometimes and give you more information than you need. But the good thing is, if you go to the website, theanxiousmammal.com, you can go to resources to the trauma anxiety section, and you can go to videos, and there is an overview of trauma video there that you can watch. But if you specifically want to learn information related to what we just discussed, it comes from a presentation that I created. So if you go to the main website, there is a, uh, right now on the front page, it actually says, well, depending on when you listen to this, but at the moment that I'm recording this, there's a little button there that says 13 part trauma series evolution of trauma. If you click on that, it'll take you to a series of presentations and there's a presentation called threat response system in the mind video four, and it overviews all of this information in a voiced over presentation that I did. You can also access this by going to resources and going to the trauma anxiety section. And there will be, you'll see a way to navigate to the series there as well. I'll make sure that that's there once the front page notice is removed. The other thing that I wanna say is when you experience an anxiety situation or trauma response, the brain is flooded with stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, norepinephrine, those are released into brain down into the body. The parasympathetic nervous system, that's your calm system, that's the break it is kind of deactivated. So the brakes off, foots on the pedal, the gas pedal, all systems go. The brain can become hypersensitive to threats over time. The amygdala actually can enlarge in physical size in your brain and get better at noticing threats. So if you live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of gunfire or interactions with violence, you can become overly responsive to loud noises, gunshots, guns, whatever. Your amygdala can get larger in size and become better at getting worried or noticing sooner than other people typically would when you hear noises or loud noises and things like that. You can basically be taught to over respond or overactivate. The ability to make decisions using rational logic that's halted or at best dampened when you're in the anxiety response. The logic centers in the frontal brain, the human brain are overpowered. This leads to irrational and impulsive behaviors, emotions, and thoughts. And finally, the brain learns to hold on to negative memories, negative experiences. This is a survival mechanism. You don't need to know about, you don't need to remember how fun Disneyland was. You need to remember how scary the dog off the leash was because that's a threat to your life. Being happy is not. And at your core, your brain's main concern is that you survive. So the hippocampus actually can shrink and get, it's inhibited during times of high stress anxiety. So the hippocampus is your memory center. And so it shrinks and it's not operating as good so you're having issues with memory. And these negative experiences get highlighted, recorded as more important, and so they therefore get activated more simply. So if you feel like you are somebody who walks around in a bad mood all the time or notices the negative a lot, a lot of that has to do with your instinctual drive to survive. Um, and then there's also some other things there that you need to work on, perspective and things we have to continue to work on informing our brain that we are humans we do live in social settings with hundreds thousands millions billions of people that we don't know and we can't be afraid of all of them just because we don't know them we have to be able to socially connect and interact and there is one of the conflicts with the instinctual mammal animal drives and the newer human social interaction drives which again we'll go into that at another time if you have any questions please go over to the website And you can post them through my contact me. If you go to about me, there's a little drop down menu and you can just click contact and you can send me any questions. Just let me know, hey, episode two or episode one or whatever. I had this question. I'll clarify for you. If you think that something was incorrect or if I misspoke, I would love the feedback because that happens. So please reach out to me and let me know. Just go to www.theanxiousmammal.com contact page and you can contact me. And there's tons and tons of always 100% free resources for trauma, anxiety, ADHD, sleep, mood, all kinds of things on that webpage. I'm glad that you joined me today. Hopefully that was useful. Please follow up with any questions and I'll see you back here hopefully for episode three, which will be about the threat response system in the body. Thank you.